And first of all, <clears throat> I kind of need to apologize for last week. When we got out of here, Roberta said, do you realize it went for an hour and 45 minutes? <laughs> um, that's not my usual plan. Usually, I, I do like to have a service done between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes. But last week, we had communion. So that takes 10 or 15 minutes by ourselves. But my sermon did go a little bit long last week. But here's why. Here's why. When Paul uses a lot of quotations and allusions to the Old Testament to prove that his gospel is true, I get really excited about those verses. And I want you to share in that excitement with me to see God's plan from, from Eden to eternity of the gospel. And, and I get excited about that. So we went over a little bit last week, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> now, I'm not comparing myself to the Apostle Paul, but a good preacher preaches the Word. A good sermon is Word-centered. A good preacher doesn't just give their opinion about things or try to argue into convincing you that they're right. A good sermon is Word-centered. I mean, that's really what we have here in Romans. A lot of really, really, really good sermons. Did you, did you, let's go back a couple here. A lot of really good sermons here. Did you notice, what do you notice about uh, what I did this week on the screen? You see, look at all that. He makes a point, and then Leviticus 18.5, Deuteronomy 4.6, Nehem. I... I'm not going to read all these verses today like I did last week, but I include them for you on the text and on the outlines so that you can go home and search the scriptures. So that you can go home and study them. Last week I even provided an expanded outline with verses like that written out. Look at every, every slide has three or four proof texts on them. But I do it so you can go home. This is, is go home and search the scriptures. So you can understand what Paul is saying and arguing. And, but more, even equally important to that, be like the Bereans in Acts 13. Go home and search the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is in harmony with the word of God. That's part of your responsibility to hold me accountable that I'm preaching the word of God. A good sermon is word-centered. Romans 10 is one of the most preached on passages in all of Scripture when it comes to evangelism. Um, on sharing our faith, on calling the lost to believe in, in Jesus. It was used many times in all the mission conferences I went to, I was drugged to as a kid, from Tacoma to uh, Grand Island, New York. I don't know how many times this passage was preached on at missions conferences and even in my adult life. But before we get into the evangelism parts of the chapter and the sharing the gospel parts of the chapter, Paul wants to make sure that we ourselves get it. That we understand the gospel ourselves. And he's explaining that part of the reason the Jewish people as, as a whole failed in the mission to be a blessing to all nations was because they didn't get the gospel. They didn't get the grace of the covenant that they were under. They thought they could keep the externals of the law and that's what made them righteous before God. They didn't, as a whole, see the depth 
of their own sin and their need for mercy and grace. That's why the law was given to them. But they didn't see it. And this ultimately led them to rejecting their own Messiah because they failed to see how He, Jesus, their Messiah, was the embodiment of the grace of the covenant that they were under. He was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices and all the law and all the Old Testament. Not all rejected Him, but many did. Some were turning to Messiah as their Savior from their sins in Paul's day, but the rest were still trying to earn God's righteousness by their own law-keeping and their own rule-keeping, their own rules that they made up over and above God's law. Paul makes it clear in verses 3 to 4, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. They thought they could keep the externals of the law and that would be enough. Some were turning the Messiah, but most of them were still rejecting this idea that they need grace and mercy in order to be saved. They rejected their Messiah and Jesus was the fulfillment, the end, telos, perfection. He was the fulfillment, the the perfection of not just the law and the sacrifices, but all the prophecies in the Old Testament. But they rejected him. And they were scandalized by his claims to be one with the Father. Scandalized by God in the flesh being sacrificed for their sins. Being saved by grace was just too easy. They preferred religion. Do you remember Naaman? The story of Naaman? in the Old Testament, the Syrian commander who was dying of leprosy. Well, that story, that narrative about uh, of Naaman was reflective of the Jewish problem. When Elijah's servant told Naaman what God had told Elijah that he needed to do to be clean from leprosy, just go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be clean. Naaman got angry. We have rivers in Syria that are much cleaner and much bigger than the Jordan River. I'm not doing it. And, and his own servants, his men, had to convince him, if God had asked you to do something hard that required a lot of your own self-effort, you would have done it. So why not do something easy that God asks of you? Just go dip in the seven, Jordan River seven times and you will be clean. They had to convince him of that. That was the attitude of many of the children of Israel, the Jewish people. Trusting in Jesus and receiving God's promise of righteousness by grace through faith in Him was too, too easy. It wasn't religious enough. See, the gospel's, the gospel's not a hard concept. It's really simple. God did it. You want, you want the easiest definition of the gospel? God did it. Jesus. God did it. Jesus, God alone solves our sin problem. God saves us, not ourselves. It is by grace, through faith, in Jesus' finished work. When Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, it has been perfected. It has been accomplished. He meant it. In fact, that word tetelestai is that same word telos that we saw there in 
verse 4. Christ is the telos of the law for righteousness to everyone who believed. And then Jesus demonstrated it. Tetelestai. It has been accomplished. God did it. God did it. We read that in Romans 8, 1 through 4. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of flesh. Sinful flesh. And for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteousness of the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the spirit. Uh, according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God did it. And all anyone is required to do is call on the name of the Lord for mercy and grace through Jesus. That involves believing with our heart that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf and raised Him from the dead. And then that faith, that belief in our heart, simply overflows in a confession. Jesus is Lord. That's what God requires. Believing in your heart and confessing that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's how we are saved. You don't have to go up to heaven to bring Christ down. That's what those verses mean. A lot of people are confused. Who, who will say, I'll, I'll go up into heaven to bring Christ down or go down into the grave to bring Christ up? The point is, God did it. You don't have to. That's why the word, he says, is near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It's, it's not some difficult concept. God already did it. And Paul is trying to convince Jewish folks that it's true for them and it's true for Gentiles like us with no distinction. The gospel is for all with no distinction. Paul says the Jews should have gotten it in this passage. That's his point. They should have gotten it. They heard the message. And now that the gospel is being preached to all nations, they really should have gotten it. The prophets wrote abundantly about that. That's the point of Paul quoting Psalm 19 in verse 18 of our, our text that we read. He says, Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. He's quoting Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, and they use no words, and no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all their world, the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. That's the point of him quoting this, a passage we normally think of as being general revelation. God revealing Himself to us through creation. But the rest of Psalm 19, go home and read it, speaks about God's Word and His law and how it convicts us of sin and shows us our desperate need for mercy. <clears throat> David at the end of the psalm cries out to God, Lord, search me and know me. Know my heart. Keep me from hidden sin. So the Jews should have got it because now not only is general revelation sharing the gospel with the world, Special revelation is going out. The apostles and Christians were taking the gospel and who Jesus is to the known world. So the Jews should have gotten it. Isaiah, um, I'm sorry, um, Joel talked about it. Afterwards, I will, and, and 
Peter quotes from this on the day of Pentecost. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. My, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Everything's going to be turned upside down. Wonders in the heavens and the earth and blood and fire and smoke. The sun turned to darkness. But look at verse 32. In those days, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Isaiah, probably clearer than anyone else, shows how part of Messiah's coming is going to mean the extension of God's people to the Gentiles and to the, kingdom, to the, to the kingdoms of the world. Foreigners, that's us, who bind themselves to the Lord and to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and then hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings will be accepted. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Why? For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But most of the Jewish people didn't get it. Not the grace of the gospel, nor the mission of God to save a people of worshipers from every tribe, nation, language, and people group. In fact, in their stubbornness, not only did they not get it, they rejected it. Isaiah says it's clear. But they rejected it. They rejected the message of the prophets. They refused to believe it. Do we? Do we really believe that Jesus is salvation for the world? Or is it just for us? Do we really believe that if our neighbors here in this community simply call upon the name of the Lord and believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that they will be saved? Or do we think they need to clean up their acts and become a little more like us before Jesus will accept them? Paul goes on in this chapter to make it very clear. We've got to get the word out to them so that they have opportunity to believe. God uses the word to get to them. God uses us to, use a gen to issue a general call from his word to the world. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as he is portrayed in the word of God and you will be saved. Come on, y'all. Believe this word. That's what he uses us for, to issue a general call to the world. Paul makes it clear that the primary way people believe is through the word. And specifically, the preached word, like we're hearing right now. The Spirit of God works specifically through the preached word, the public proclamation of the word of God to draw people to himself. Have you ever heard the, I, I hear it a lot, St. Francis of Assisi, a good man, a good man, loved the poor, uh, took care of, of lepers, and, and he was a, a saint. <laughs> That's why they nominated him for saint. We call him St. Francis of Assisi. But one thing he said was, preach the gospel at all times, and if you must, use words. I've seen it on uh, on walls and pictures. I've seen it as bumper stickers. And, and, and I get it. I, I get what he's saying. Um, 
we first need to live lives that reflect God's grace and love and holiness. But words aren't an option. Using the word of God is not an option. We must use words. The word is indispensable to people being saved. People can't know who God is and how far they are separated from him without his word. They can't know who Jesus is, the eternal son of God who became man to take on the sins of the world and die and rise again so that his elect children can be made right with him apart from God's word. They can't know that apart from God's word. Not just me. Not just me. All of us need to be people of the word. You sharing the word among your network of relationships and me preaching it from this pulpit. We support missionaries all over the world and we send them as our representatives to take the word to the nations. But there's also a sense in which you send me. Right? You've chosen me to be your pastor here to be responsible for the public preaching of God's word. I'm, I'm this church's representative to this, this church and the community. God's word shared by you and preached by me will not return void. We have to be people of the word because God's word will not return void. Isaiah 55 no, and a lot of us can even quote these verses. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. But we don't remember, it says everyone. This is in the context of the Gentiles coming to the Lord. Come everyone who believes, come to the waters. But then, what does he say? For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the things that I have sent it. It's interesting that as the gospel spread... Um, as, as the gospel spread throughout um, the early church, after the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, this is how Dr. Luke described it. And I thought I had this verse up here, but I don't. Where did it go? It disappeared. Acts 6, 7. Listen how it, it talks about the spread of, of the knowledge of Jesus. The word of God continued to increase. That's how the gospel spread. The word of God continued to increase and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many priests came to be obedient to the faith. Paul commended the Thessalonian believers for the fruit of the word in their lives. Listen to this. This is Thessalonians 1, 6-8. I thought I had it on the screen, but I don't, so you're going to have to look it up. Thessalonians 1, 6-8. He says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Listen, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, not only has the word of the Lord rang out among Macedonia and Achaia, but also your faith in God has gone out forth everywhere 
so that we need not say anything. Notice that Thessalonians passage was written to the church at Thessalonians, not the preachers at Thessalonians. All the believers, it says that the word sounded forth from them and that their faith has gone forth everywhere. So what? What do we do with this tomorrow morning when we go back to work? All of us can participate in sharing that word. I said I'm kind of your representative here at this church. You send me to do the public preaching and and teaching of God's word. Don't let that make you lazy. (laughs) Right? Maybe... You you can't do my job, but I can't do your job either. I don't know as many people. I don't have the network of relationships that you do in your communities. I do the public preaching. You do the sounding forth, the ringing out of the gospel to the community. It was written to the church as a whole, not just the preachers. So I, I ask you, are you sharing your faith? Are you sharing your faith with everyone without distinction? Or are we somehow falling into the trap of trying to figure out who the elect are? That's not our job. Our job is to sound forth the faith, to share the word of the gospel. Are you sharing your faith? Are your feet beautiful? That seems like a strange image, but it's kind of like blessed is the man How blessed is the man that walks not according... How beautiful are the feet of him who shares the gospel. Isaiah 52. Paul quotes it here in Romans 10, but it's from Isaiah. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful. Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Euangelion. The gospel. In the Septuagint, in the Greek translate, it says, who brings the gospel, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes, sounds forth salvation, who says to Zion, our God reigns. Do you have beautiful feet? Do you? In order to share the word, we got to know it. It's a joint venture, you and me together. We're in this together. Uh, In order to preach the word, I got to know it and live it. And in order for you to share the word, you got to know it and live it. I've been emphasizing to the men in our leadership training class, we must be men of the word. That is the way God has chosen to save people, by hearing the word and the word That's why when I read the word at the beginning of a sermon, it's when I read it, that's as important as anything the rest that I'm going to say. That's why I provide those proof texts for you on your outlines. And I didn't copy the expanded outline this week, Glenn, but uh, I'll, I'll remember again next week. But so you can become people of the word. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another, that's what we're doing in here, 
singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We've got to be people of the Word so I can preach it and you can share it. And then Peter tells us, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Catch this now. Always be prepared to make a defense, an apologia, a defense, an apologetic, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. There was a missionary I, I knew of at one time. <laughs> he, his heart was in the right place and he knew the word. But he would go into areas where there were no Christians, a Muslim area, and sit up on top of his van with a loudspeaker and say, Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. And he, he <laughs> you think they listened to him? <laughs> there was no respect and gentleness there. He was condemning them for what they believed. And, and it, but he knew the word. Let, 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 let not that be us. Let's be people of the word who love other people and long to see the word take root in their hearts. Sharing the gospel 101. Even if you're not comfortable yet, maybe kids even. Some of you might not. I just... I don't know enough about the word, although it's simple, really. We just, we just read it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead and confess it. It, it overflows. It's, that's not hard to share with somebody. But even if you're not comfortable with a, making a full gospel presentation to an unbeliever, uh, the easiest thing to do, if we believe that the primary way God draws people to himself through, is through preaching the word, invite them to church. How, how difficult is that? You know, uh, for crying out loud. It's, invite them to church. Share our services. You know, I, I get to see how many viewers view on Instagram and Facebook, and I also get to see how many people share it. And unfortunately, right now, not many of us are sharing it. All you do is click that share button and put it on your timeline. That's an easy way. We have cards with our church name and website on it. How hard is that to give it to your coworker, to give it to your teacher? If you're excited about Jesus and excited about our church, we are. We're going to do a whole lot more community events around here, like our fall festival. It was so exciting to see this community come together. And we're going to do a lot more of that to help invite people to church. But don't wait for that. Start making your feet beautiful right now. This very afternoon, let your faith in Jesus overflow as the confession of your heart to all without distinction. Just click share on your timeline. What we're talking about is grace-driven evangelism. God saves us by His grace. We want to tell the world about it. Not only because we ourselves are excited about it, but because God commanded it. Go into all nations and preach the gospel to every, not just people, creature. <laughs> That's what St. Francis was known for. He went out into the woods and sang to the animals. <laughs> he sang the word of God to wild animals. That's crazy. 
But if we believe in our heart and confess, it, it should overflow. Jesus is Lord. Our God reigns. And, he, and we get to be a part of his plan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the He made it to Spain. That was about as far in the known world as you could go at that time. Thank you for his example, but also for his, his zeal for the gospel, his passion for Jesus that, that made him willing. Even We don't have to face persecution for sharing our faith. Paul did. Ultimately, Paul died proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Lord, may we at least be willing to do the simple thing to get your word out there. Sharing on Facebook, sharing on Instagram, giving a card out, saying, hey, we got a, we got a fun church. It's a family. Yeah, we're small, but come be a part of it. Come hear God's word preached. I just pray that our passion for Jesus would overflow in the confession of our hearts. Thank you for your word. Change us for having encountered it. And Lord, I pray that you would bring it to life in Jesus' name. for this last song. I guess Isaac Watts, the first hymn, was a little farther back, 1774, but this is 1974. Our God reigns. Some of you might have never heard it, Liz. 